Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. On this week's show, we look ahead to the first test between the All Blacks and France and look back at the history between these great rugby rivals. The New Zealand pace bowler Mitchell McLenaghan talks us through his preparation for cricket's Champions Trophy, while the All Black Sevens captain DJ Forbes gets ready for the Rugby World Cup Sevens in Russia. We hear from the Breakers' new import, Darnell Lazar, and rugby's Rupini Thauthani Botha shares his desire to be reselected for Fiji. And he's one of the greats of New Zealand cricket, but now, in his just-released memoirs, Martin Crow questions whether he should have been selected for the national team at only 19. The All Blacks international rugby season gets underway on Saturday with a test against France at Eden Park. It's the first meeting between the two sides since the All Blacks triumphed eight points to seven on the same ground in 2011 to win the Rugby World Cup. The French have come to New Zealand with a fresh-faced squad following a disastrous Six Nations campaign and are aiming to use the three-test series to rebuild. But as New Zealand rugby fans are well aware, Les Bleus have made a habit of lifting their game against the All Blacks. Alex Coogan-Reeves reports. They've just got to kick it out. And the All Blacks are the world champions for the second time. The final moments of the 2011 Rugby World Cup enabled the All Blacks to move on from the pain of four years earlier when the French had ruined their title hopes for the second time. France did not let them have it easy with an inspired performance from their captain, Thierry Dussetois, getting them within one point of being the spoilers once more. The All Blacks' first 5'8", Aaron Cruden, limped off injured in that match and remembers the intensity of one particularly brutal hit from the talismanic Frenchman. I've only played them once before and I didn't last too long. I thought I was carrying a few more kilos than I actually was and uh, you know, he put me on my backside but I suppose that's not hard. The French will be hungry for redemption following that final they felt they deserved to win and the message in the All Blacks camp this week has been simple. Expect the unexpected. That unpredictability can make France a nightmare to prepare for and the All Blacks coach Steve Hansen is well aware of the danger. He was assistant coach when France handed the All Blacks their quarter-final defeat in 2007, so knows firsthand they can't afford to take them lightly. The hardest time to combat them is when everyone writes them off, you know, whether that's because subconsciously you as a team start listening to the media or, or all the voices. I'm not sure, but they always put in good performances when they're not expected to. So uh, the simple thing is just ex- respect them and expect them to turn up, because if you don't, you'll get beat. History shows France aren't just dangerous in World Cups. They upset the All Blacks in the first game of their last Test Series in New Zealand and remain the most recent team to beat them at the Eden Park Fortress in 94. The current French coach, Philippe Saint-André, was on the field that day and sparked the famous try from the end of the world, an 80-metre play which snatched victory. While Saint-André remembers that day fondly, he says his side need to create their own history. He's still amazing in my mind but it's finished you, know? you need to close the book and to know that now it's a new challenge we know it will be not easy but we need to be very fit we need to be very strong mentally and collectively and just you know carry on during 80 minutes and everything can happen 
Philippe Saint-André is trying to build a new squad that can finally end their World Cup drought in two years' time and only has three players in his starting lineup that featured in the 2011 final. The All Black squad is also relatively new, with forwards Ben Afiaki and Jeremy Thrush hoping to debut off the bench, while the hooker Dane Coles will make his first test start. The challenge of playing the French is not lost on the Rocky Coles, who remembers the disappointment he felt watching them beat the All Blacks at the 99 World Cup. I had to go out for a school camp and I remember I had the All Black jersey on and then I was, we had to catch the Inter Islander and I remember just going to the Inter Islander just absolutely gutted. Dane Coles is hopeful he will have happier memories of Le Bleu after tomorrow night's match. Alex Coogan-Reeves reporting for Extra Time. The Auckland pace bowler Mitchell McLenaghan appears to have cemented his place in the New Zealand one-day cricket side. The 26-year-old impressed in the series win in South Africa in the new year, but was injured in the opening match of the home series against England. He recovered from the side strain and took eight wickets in the series victory in England in the past week. The Black Caps now compete in the Champions Trophy, where they're ranked eighth and last of the eight teams taking part. Barry Guy spoke with McLenaghan and asked him about his return to the game. Yeah, it has been tough. You know, it's um, been tough, you know, going into our winter. Um, but definitely um, having a warm-up match and the uh, first couple of matches under my belt, it's definitely, uh, definitely starting to feel a lot more confident about my game now. Uh, have you been getting uh, plenty of help, you know, a bit, bit of guidance, that sort of thing? Uh, yeah, oh, just working with a lot of the older guys, picking the brains of um, Millsy and uh, Timmy have been around the traps a little bit and you know, just trying to get some experience in these conditions um, before the Champions Trophy um, and all of that's going really well and um, Bondi's been real helpful as well. So what what sort of advice do you get? Is it just about sort of local conditions or how to bowl to certain people or what? Yeah, yeah, it is um, local conditions, you know, different from uh, grounds are known for different uh, movement and um, swing and, and so it affects the length that you're going to bowl. Uh, but uh, a lot of our scouting's already been done by Rupert Lewis and then we just, if we pick up anything new, like we just discuss it as a bowling group and um, most of the plans that we've had have uh, thankfully come off. So what's it like being in England and going to these famous grounds and that? Is it just all, all you can feel is sort of cricket really? Yeah, well, particularly Lords. It was, um, you know, it was pretty... Pretty awesome to be able to walk out out the long room, um, sort of standing ovation from all the NCC members. Um, you know, it was pretty special. Um, you know, it's just it's just stuff that you've grown up with. And to be able to experience it, um, you know, and fulfil those childhood dreams has been uh, yeah, pretty amazing. Does it make you want to uh, do more, perhaps? You know, more than just a one-day player. Oh, always, mate. You know, uh, the pinnacle of of cricket is playing test test cricket for your nation, you know, you, I don't think you can uh, put yourself down as a as one of the greats of the game if you haven't been successful at test cricket level, um, or at least given it a good crack, so, you know, that's definitely um, definitely in my goals in the future to be a part of, um, you know, successful test unit for New Zealand. I remember uh, in our summer, you know, you sort of said that um, you'd just been asked to bowl flat out, you know, nothing's changed there? No, nothing's changed. You know, um, Brendan just wants me to come in and be aggressive and hit the deck hard, um, just to offer something a little bit uh, different to our attack. Um, you know, we've got guys that are very successful at swinging the ball and bowling good areas. So it kind of gives me a bit of a free license, and yeah, nothing's changed and seems to be uh, coming off more often than not at the moment, which is good. 
and that uh, also that uh, you know you said cricket's quite a psychological game and you like to have a presence. Do you think you know uh, in England uh, you've been able to do that and perhaps in the Champions Trophy you can be you know sort of that leading strike guy? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's uh, you know it's just leading through your actions. You know, and you know one one moment in the game or or one little thing you do can you know can can swing a match. So yeah, that's definitely what I'll be trying to do. Go out every game and you know be in control of and control of that moment um, in the game to try and swing it our way um, and hopefully carry that on into the Champions Trophy. So what do you think you have to do perhaps to become a, a Test bowler? Oh, you know, I probably just need a lot more experience, like um, playing four-day cricket um, and just, you know, just, you know, defining, trying to um, being able to maintain my pace throughout the whole day. Um, it's probably just down to fitness, really. But also, you know, we've got, we've got a great test, test bowling line-up at the moment. You know, we've been going really, really well. So, you know, I'll just, just keep on putting some pressure on those guys and um, hopefully they keep on improving at the same rate that I do. And what about this attack that you've got? Looks pretty good. Um, perhaps you know Dan Vittori's, uh you know injury concern, of course. But this attack, how do you think um, it's going to shape up in the Champions Trophy? Uh, with, uh, our attacks, you know, with everyone's starting to get into some really good form. So uh, really positive about where we're going. Um, you know, and people like Timmy and Miller in, in great, great, um, great form, and they've got a lot of experience at this level. So I'm sure. Um, if, uh, when Dan, if and when Dan comes back, um, he'll add to that and uh, we'll, we'll go well in this Champions Trophy. Mitchell McLenaghan. New Zealand's first match in the Champions Trophy is against Sri Lanka, while their other group matches are against Australia and England. The New Zealand Sevens captain, DJ Forbes, has returned from injury to lead New Zealand to this month's Rugby World Cup Sevens in Russia. The newly knighted coach, Sir Gordon Titchens, is named a 12-man squad, which he says is a mix of youth and experience, but only contains three players who were at the last World Cup in 2009. Last month, the All Black Sevens claimed another World Series title, but Forbes told Alex Coogan-Reeves the Moscow tournament is a one-off, winner-takes-all event. With the World Series, you can get rewarded for consistency, um, you know, so you have got a, a whole series to, sort of, to build on. Um, but with the World Cup, it's a one-off, um, you know, a lot of pressure. Um, you know, and, and anything could happen. Like you mentioned, I have been in one World Cup before, um, and it comes down to on-the-day stuff, you know, the bounce of the ball, um, you know, anything, a 50-50 call uh, could turn the game around. So as far as we're concerned, just uh, playing every rugby and, and making sure that our boys um, don't go into their shells because of the occasion, just go out there and play some good footy. Do you do anything different in your preparation to take that into account? It's still a game of footy. We don't want to overthink it too much. Um, obviously, comes off the territory, you know, playing under pressure and things like that. But I guess it's part of our job as a senior boys to, to nurture some of the new guys who, who, who might be falling into the chip of being a little bit overwhelmed and making sure that when we go out there, you know, um, the seven or the 12 players in the team, you know, uh, are ready for the occasion and whatever gets chucked at them, you know, they're ready for it. And what do you think of the squad that's got together? A lot of um, it's pretty quick squad tips that he's tried to bring together. Yeah, well, um, we've got an awesome balance, I think. Um, from 1 to 12, we're some big boys, quite a big team. Um, but also with that, I guess, physicality, we've got a lot of pace. So we've got, um, I think, a, a fine balance where we can uh, mix up game plans. And um, I'm pretty sure, you know, Titch has credited that to, uh, I guess, the type of pull win and making sure that we can, uh, you know, counter whatever gets thrown at us. Sevens rugby, we've seen it sort of 
the playing field's very even now. Is there any uh, quick contenders from the other countries that you're particularly worried about, or is it pretty open? Everyone will always look at the, the top tier nations. Um, as far as we're concerned, though, um, because it's a World Cup, all we're worried about is our, is our pool. So uh, we're not looking any further than that. Um, to even have a chance of winning the World Cup, we've got to do well in our pool. So um, it's just one game at a time. Uh, making sure that you know we're not saving anything for any other day. It's just whatever team we meet, we're just going all out. Um, seven minutes, one half at a time, to, to make sure that we, you know, we don't slip up or we don't uh, get too far ahead of ourselves. You've got, I think, the Americans and the Canadians in your pool. Both of those teams are definitely growing their sevens game. What do you expect from them? Oh, I mean, they're, they're always going to play all out against us. Um, I guess it comes with you know playing for New Zealand. Um, any team that plays you. They, they, they grow another leg. They you know, play to you know another percentage, and I guess uh, you know that's the hard thing. Uh, you know, teams are always lifting the game, and then they might play another union or another country where they they slow it off a bit. So as far as we're concerned, every game's a final, um, and we can't take anything lightly. Um, so we'll be looking just for you know, like I mentioned, seven minutes at a time, just playing some good footy, and making sure that we just uh, um, you know, put our best foot forward to, to have a chance of winning the World Cup. Given that this uh, is possibly the last event. How, how much would that mean to um, be able to win it? Yeah, well, it's, it's been a long time since we've won a World Cup. Um, so definitely, you know, to be the last one, it would be awesome to tick that box. Um, you know, in saying that, obviously, Sevens is moving on to bigger and better things with, you know, obviously the Common Games next year, then building to the Olympics. But um, I'm sure, you know, a lot of the fans and the supporters you know, have been hanging out for us to, to win a World Cup. Um, you know, we've dominated the World Series for, for many years, but... I think the World Cup is one that we'll probably secretly be wanting to win for a while. And for you personally, you've won pretty much everything else that you can possibly win in sevens. Be a, um, something for you to check off your own list as well? Yeah, well, you mentioned it, you know, uh, won a few World Series and Com Games, gold medal. Um, so the next thing on the, on the bucket list will definitely be a World Cup. Um, it'll be an awesome, awesome thing to, to win. Um, but like I, like I mentioned up on stage, um, yeah, it's just one, one thing at a time. I'm just glad to be a back part of the team and I've got to make sure that um, we've got one more camp to go. So I want to make sure you know everyone's sort of doing their own personal checklist to make sure that we're uh, up for, uh, for a huge challenge. DJ Forbes talking to Alex Coogan-Reeves. The three-time Australian basketball champion Breakers have all but finalised their playing roster after signing three players this week. They've picked up American import Darnell Lazar from the Sydney Kings, tall black Jeremiah Truman, who's been at Perth, and Ruben Tarangi, who's one of their development players. Lazar, a 28-year-old power forward, is committed to a one-year deal with a further one-year option. Barry Guy spoke with Lazar and the new Breakers coach, Dean Vickerman. Lazar is likely to have limited court time to start with at the Breakers, but he says he's happy with that. Having played here stateside with the Indiana Pacers a little bit and in the development league, obviously the style of play is a little bit different here than it is in the NBL, but after playing with the Kings and just seeing how the league goes in itself, you know, I've adjusted. You know, I've adjusted, and I'm, do, I'm here to do whatever it takes to win, uh, whether that's, you know, me coming in playing 10, 15 minutes or me having to play 30 minutes on a particular game, uh, whether that's me scoring 20 or scoring 10, you know, whatever, whatever that means. As far as, you know, my role, I, I'm willing to do that to win a championship. You know, if I have to come in and rebound or guard the best player, and, you know, in the front court, I'm open to all of that, whatever it takes to win. What were your options? I mean, did you come to the end of the contract with the Kings? You know, were you looking around? What was the story? Uh, well, after I finished up in the NBL, I definitely wanted to stay in the NBL. I just kind of liked the way the, 
the league went and, and just, you know, being that side of the world. Uh, obviously, as a basketball player, everyone strives to make it to the NBA, so you definitely, you know, want to explore the summer league options and see what happens with mini camp. But just as far as playing overseas, uh, I wanted to be back in Australia. I uh, wasn't quite sure what opportunities I was going to have after the season. You know, obviously I had my exit meeting with the Sydney Kings. That went well. Things were positive. You know, nothing happened on a, on a, on a bad note. But, you know, they they went in a different direction, and, and that kind of gave me the opportunity to, to talk to Coach Vickerman a little bit. And, and you know, I'm just thankful that, that he was interested in me just as much as I was interested in them. Getting uh, an invite from the the – reigning champions, you know, you're obviously happy to get that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, you always, as a player, as a competitor, you, you want to play with the best, you want to play against the best. And, uh, you know, for the past couple of years, the Sky City Breakers have been the best. So when you get that invitation to come join that kind of ball club, uh, you're just excited. You know, it just makes your off-season workouts more exciting and, and just makes uh, the upcoming season exciting. So it's just, I'm just thankful to be in uh, this type of position. The Breakers often talk about uh, being a family, and obviously no one's bigger than, you know, the family sort of thing. You fit in there okay? Yeah, I, I have no problems with that. I, I like that culture that they have. Uh, you know, I think I'm going to just slide right in and, and just fit in, and, and it's not going to be anything. The train's going to keep moving. Uh, I like the concept, but it's all about the team because there's no I in team, and, uh, you know, together we can win, and uh, I'm all about that. Darnell Lazar. I spoke with new coach Dean Vickerman and asked him what he liked about Lazar. Firstly, there's always a gut feel about people. And um, I know when, when, they, when the Kings first recruited him, um, you know, I looked quite extensively into his background then and um, you know, really, really liked what I saw. As he fits with us, you know, it just gives us something different at the four spot. He can both be a power guy and also he's got the touch to shoot the ball from you know consistently from mid range, and he also has uh, the ability to be mobile enough to do what we require him to do defensively. So you know he ticked a lot of boxes for us. He can play the four five spot, and everybody that we spoke to just a really quality person and and, and lives to our values. Was he your number one option for the import spot or one of the import spots? Or what was the situation with perhaps guys coming back? Yeah, obviously, you know, Will Hudson did an outstanding job for us. Certainly, you know, can't say enough about what he did for us and and, and helping Alex to become a better player. And, you know, if it, we would have loved to have him back. But the situation, you know, with Alex is we just wanted to upgrade him a little bit and, and give him more minutes. And so we moved our import spot to, to the four. And um, just felt with Darnell's ability to shoot the ball gave us something different than than what uh, Will was able to offer us. But uh, Will was outstanding, and, and and I'm sure we'll see him either in our league on another team or in, in another very good league because he's certainly a winner. Because he's been playing, you know, in Australia, you know how he might fit. I'm just sort of thinking, you know, a lot of imports perhaps they don't always work out, but because you've sort of been able to see him for a while, you know he'll fit into your setup. Yeah, so important for you know it's a big risk to go out and get you know two brand new imports who don't understand how our leagues refereed, don't understand the the, the style of our league, and um, and we just felt you know we again we're unsure of whether Cedric will come back or not, and so it was really important for us to to really lock down an import 
uh, who understands the league and you know understands the, the countries and the environment and, and all those types of things. So uh, yeah, Darnell was a perfect fit. So uh, are you putting all your eggs in one basket for getting Cedric back, or are you still scouting around? Yeah, and we're going to leave that one till later on. And we've kind of set a time period around late July, you know, to really make that decision. Um, you know, Cedric's totally focused on making the NBA, and uh, it'll be if he doesn't make the NBA that he'll consider other offers. Let's hope the Breakers can get Cedric Jackson back and make it four in a row. Barry Guy with that report. The Fiji rugby legend Rupeni Thaothao Nibutha says he wants to play for his country again. The former Blues and Arjen star last played for Fiji in 2010, but hasn't played a professional match since undergoing knee surgery in 2011. The 33-year-old will line up against his countrymen next week in the centennial match between the classic All Blacks and the flying Fijians in Suva. He signed to play for Northland in this year's New Zealand provincial competition, and he told Vinnie Wiley he's keen to impress the Fiji selectors. I'm very proud for the people who choose me to be a part of Classical Blacks uh, and I'm looking forward to play and I want to show them that uh, I'm very keen to play and I want to show it to the people in Fiji about how good I am and uh, I'm still good. Do you think you still can get back to that best that everyone remembered you from, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago? Yes, I'm confident for what I have to achieve. Like I was 104 at that time but now I'm 107 and it's a little bit few weeks to go. So it's good to be uh, to be back in New Zealand and work hard with uh, a friend of mine who he used to look after me, and uh, now I'm very happy. Northland is a place where you've got very good memories that you've had some you know very successful years, scored a lot of tries, uh, obviously during your time at provincial level and also with the Blues uh, as well. Is, is it nice to be back? Does it feel like you're back home almost? It's good to be back, and uh, I want to show that I'm really confident for what I do in the past, but I want to bring it back the past. Where I am now. So, do you feel like you've still got something to prove? Another two or three kilos more, so I think I will be the same when I was start playing rugby in New Zealand on that time. What about to prove? Do you feel like rugby fans maybe, you know, it's been a long time that since some of them have seen you? I know you've been over in France for a number of years, you've played over there. Do you feel like some people maybe have forgotten the old Rupini? Do you feel like you have something to prove to rugby fans that you can still be as good as you were? I think some people are talking about that and. Uh, talking about my past because I'm very heavy, I can't even play, but now uh, I don't want to speak back. The thing, only thing that I have to do, I have to show them in the field that the real Rupeni. And I, I see you're playing some club rugby up in Northland, you're playing some games in midfield. Uh, can you play a few positions in the back line or do you still see yourself mainly as a winger? At the moment I play a second for my uh, club up here in uh, Awanui and I'm looking forward like uh, to play in the midfield for this season. And uh, this classic All Blacks Fiji game, uh, I think it's been three years since you've played for Fiji, um, and, and a lot of these classic All Blacks should be playing alongside, uh, you know, uh, people that you probably played with here in New Zealand, and you know, played against in Super Rugby about, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to meet them because it's been a long time I didn't see them or say awards to them, but uh, now it's a good time for me to go back and uh, start again or meet them in face-to-face because uh, it's been a long time we didn't see each other. But uh, it's a good chance. I'm very proud of myself. I'm very happy because of of that chance that they give it to me. With the match celebrating 100 years of Fiji rugby, you've obviously uh, you know, had a, a few test matches for Fiji in your day. The 2003 World Cup is probably the one that springs to everybody's mind with that try from uh, one length of the field to the other. Um, what are your sort of reflections on your test career when you look back at your games for Fiji? At the moment, it's a big thing for me 
like uh, to go there and show the, to the Fiji Rugby Union that I'm still king to play for them if uh, they feel I'm good enough to play for them. But the first thing is for me, I have to uh, be uh, playing well on next Saturday for the Classic All Blacks. You're saying that you would love to be a part of that team again if, if the chance came up? If I get the chance. If they think that I'm good enough. When was the last game that you played uh, in Fiji, be it a club game for your village or, or be it just a, a game for your country? I think for the country, like uh, 2010. And, and do you keep in touch with friends and, and people from the Fiji Rugby Union in, in terms of what's going on up there? Uh, no. Would they know if you, you know, you're saying now that you're keen to play for Fiji, if they want you, would they know that you're available? Depends. The most important for me is to go out there and show myself that uh, I'm king to play. And I want to playing well for the ATM Cup for Northland, and I want to show it to them that I'm still king to play for them. So, so do you think you can make it through to the next World Cup? Would that be a target for you potentially long term? Yes. Uh, you've obviously come back to New Zealand and you're doing some forestry work uh, and, and you're also playing club rugby and getting ready to play for Northland again. Uh, when was your last game of professional rugby? Were you you're up in Europe last? Yes, in France, 2011. You had some weight troubles when you were over there, and as you say, you've been working very hard to get back down to a lean, mean sort of weight. Um, uh, no, because I had uh, a knee operation. Up in France? Yes. And how is your knee now? Now my knee is 150%. So, you know, if you lose a couple more kgs, as you say you're planning to do, do you feel like you're pretty much back to your best where you were? Yes. And Rupini, if you had a message for rugby fans in New Zealand and rugby fans in Fiji as they uh, celebrate 100 years and, and think about maybe you possibly playing for their country again, what, what would you say to rugby fans around the world? I want them to come down to uh, Fiji and watch the games because uh, I know I'm going to play for the Classical Blacks, but I'm still uh, Fijian-born and I'm very proud for be a part of uh, Classical Blacks play against Fiji, but always... Fiji. And if things go well for you with Northland this year and you do well in the ITM Cup, would you be interested in Super Rugby? We'll see. I have to work hard for the ATM and uh, we'll see what's going to happen after that. Rupini Thauthani Botha talking to Vinnie Wiley for extra time. The former New Zealand cricket captain Martin Crowe has published his memoirs after undergoing treatment for cancer. The 50-year-old debuted for New Zealand in 1982 and played for the national team for 13 years. He spoke to Radio New Zealand's Catherine Ryan about his battle with cancer and how the pressure of top-level cricket from a young age may have had an impact on his health. You've been through the chemo not long, but some really good results in the last few days. Yeah, good to get through the chemo. That was the first tick. And then um, I had a scan, which you have to do, and um, my haematologist rang me. I was actually in Australia, and I was about to have a couple of days with my sister just meditating in the bush. (laughs) And trying to get some energy back, and that was a good thing to do. And he rang me to say I had an excellent response, um, that all of the lymphoma nodes, the the lymphatic nodes that had a follicular lymphoma, in them all down my left side, in the neck and the armpit, down through the groin and the stomach, they had all gone back to a normal size. Um, And the tumour that I had grown just 20 days last December on the back of the Ross Taylor affair, I assume everyone knows what that is, that uh, had reduced from uh, a 12 centimetre 4 by 3 tumour to um, just one and a half, and uh, they saw it as just a little carcass ready to dissolve and fall away. So not complete remission technically, but... Good results. Yeah, fantastic. So um, I did meditate and sleep and uh, enjoyed the bush and came home ready to um, share this book with with New Zealand and... um, 
and and talk about the lessons I've learned. Lessons you've learned. You mentioned December, and we won't revisit mm. in detail. But this is when you spoke out over the sacking of of Ross Taylor and his treatment, and uh, mm. and you actually blame that for, mm. uh, as you do, really in this book. You suspect that many of the internal stresses and battles mm. and loss that you've carried since your boyhood could have played a role in this. The yeah. reason this book mm. is so important, Martin, is it goes right to the heart of what I fear is a near malaise in top sport presently, yes. involving young men in particular, because it's young men who often end up the full-time professionals. Yeah. You cannot be a rounded, well, healthy human being mm. if your entire self-worth is vested in your sporting activity, especially one that is designed to ensure plenty of failure. Mm. And you are the demonstration of that from mm. that age, aren't you? Playing for New Zealand at 19 was, I'm sorry, but it, it still is a bit of a nightmare. And um, it's sad because I had a captain who obviously had his own problems at the time, and I now know that and understand that, and I've forgiven him. And he was really tough on me, and I just, I think he was trying to beat into me what he should have beaten into himself, perhaps. I don't know. But it was. I, I just went from one complete failure to another, and in the end I ran to the far north to see my sister, and no one was going to find me in Hohora. And I popped down to the pub, and I want a game of pool and a quiet beer, and there's Big Norm yelling from a bar, gee, I hope you can play pool better than you can play cricket. And I knew that from that moment I, I was, my life had changed, and I had, I, how was I going to turn this around? How was I going to fulfill my dream as a, as a young boy to be a top cricketer? when I was so useless uh, to start off with. And the next two years, Catherine, were the same, really. I slowly got a bit better, but it didn't really improve much. Um, not really until I went to Somerset um, in 1984 as a 21-year-old. 20, uh, slightly more mature and ready to take on the world a bit more. And um, I got a lot of confidence from that stint with Somerset because I played every day. And I experienced failure and success, and I kind of treated them the same. A man can experience these things. Yeah. Um, a man gets Rudyard yes. Kipling. Mm. You were a boy, not playing with boys. You were a boy sent yeah. into a man's world in every way. Yeah, and I've seen it um, since, actually. I saw Ken Rutherford mm -hmm. go through it and Chris Cairns and Adam Perori go through it, and I kept questioning, why are they picking these people? Who isn't? Why aren't they learning from me or Ken or... And they just kept doing it. And then they'll say, yeah, but look at Daniel Vittori. And I go, well, Daniel Vittori's body probably wasn't ready, even though his mind might have been. I mean, it's just don't touch us until we're 22 or or there's got to be a rule. I, I don't know. I was, it's silly how you come up with these things. But I just said it's wrong, and it's wrong to pick a, an all-black at 19. And it's wrong to um, take them out of what, is it their natural upbringing and development um, and throw them into something that is actually not normal at all. And you can hear the full interview with Martin Crow on the Radio New Zealand website. Just search for Martin Crow NZ Cricketing Legend. That's the end of Extra Time for this week. You can send your feedback to sport at radionz.co.nz. I'm Ben Robinson. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.